Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode four of season four of This Osteopathic Life. Today, we are talking about grounded. And interestingly enough, I am recording this on Easter Sunday here in Michigan, in the Northern Hemisphere on this sunshiny day. Thank goodness, because it has been very much not sunny for what seems like forever. (laughs) What seems like many weeks, months, and some Arctic tundra weather yesterday really reared its non-spring-like head. And we talked about spring, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point last week. But today, on Easter Sunday, for those who observe and who celebrate, is often associated with the term, the phrase, the word, the experience of risen. And it can seem a fascinating moment, juxtaposition, to offer grounded as the content, the concept, the anchor point here today. But I think, of course, of course, that is what came up. And I intended this episode for yesterday, but yesterday became a day of rest. So perhaps we flip-flopped the Saturday and the Sunday, or we put them to use in the most appropriate ways. So we're going to talk grounded. And interestingly, also today, use that word again, interesting can be one of those trigger words also. I was on a run. Sunday is often my run day. Yes, because it rhymes. Yes, because it fits in the theme of the week. And it just seems to be the pattern that has emerged. And most runs, I will take one selfie to document it. If you have followed me on social media for many days, more than a year, maybe almost two years, there's a daily post regarding my workout. And so I'll take a picture of myself completing whatever activity it is that I'm doing. And with running, that is often a moving selfie, right? And I hold it in the same orientation and I take the picture often trying to capture my surroundings. Usually here in Northwest Michigan it is water. And today, for whatever reason, that picture was upside down. And that's relative to all the other pictures I have taken. And I was thinking about it and I held the phone in the same way. You know, you can hold your phone either direction, but I held it in the same way because I have to open it in a certain pattern. And when you're on the move, you have those muscle memory movements that you use. When I went to send it out to my family on our thread, everyone's like, oh, it's upside down. You know, the world is upside down. And I thought, huh, right? And I knew Grounded was coming. You know, I hadn't recorded it yet, but I knew that that was going to happen today. And I thought about it. And I thought, but why? Why did it not reorient itself? Because many times, right, in the smartness of the phones that we have, even if it were taken upside down, it will usually switch it, right? It can sense, for whatever reason, which way the picture normally would be. Maybe it knows how you should look in that picture. And often it will reorient itself. But in any case, it was upside down relative to the other photos. And I sent it that way. And now many times when I go to send the picture, would I have one that might be rotated in a certain way? I will correct it but I didn't feel inclined to correct it. And when I look at this photo and how it appears in its upside downness, it is actually accentuating the ground. So I'm currently looking at this picture on my computer in front of me. 
And normally, right, if you had the picture in its usual, I'm going to use it not maybe even the, the normal, but just the usual orientation, you'd be taken aback by the sky most of all because it was a brilliantly blue sky today. Yes, a few clouds, but the sun was prevalent. You can't see the sun directly in this picture, but it is in front of me, right, creating this blueness of the sky. And then there's a vast expanse of water with the familiar strip of land in the background. This is often present in the backdrop of my swim-a-day pictures. And then there's a little bit of ground, and there are some pieces of rock I'm happening to be running past this place where there's some formal cement blocks in place and a teeny tiny bit of grass and then some branches, barren branches of trees because again, we have not fully embraced spring yet here. And then I'm in the left one third of the picture. But when I look at it in its you know usual orientation, sky is what I see. But in this upside downness of the picture, you see the ground and the rock first. And your eyes go there, it is the upper left corner and that is what you see. And you have to then work to see the rest of it, right? You kind of tilt your head to look at me in the upside down version. And I thought, well, of course, here we are with this picture, accentuating the ground and not detracting from the beauty of the water or the illumination of the sky, but it forces you almost to notice the ground there and to see the opportunity we have to build the foundation from the ground up. And you might say, well, no, you're not because you're building it from the ground down in this picture. But the ground, as we know, is still where it is under our feet in this moment, even if the way it's being presented to us puts its emphasis at the forefront, at the top, at the top of the picture. Yes, if we're talking about orientation, but at the top of our attention here as well. And so we're thinking about that and we're thinking about what it means to be grounded, to feel grounded, to practice groundedness. How do we orient to it? What is our association to it? And do we even pay attention to the surface to which we are adhering our foundation? Do we take it for granted? Gravity allows us to do so because it brings us back down to the ground no matter what. But thinking about those surfaces on which we are planting ourselves and what are they like? What is the solid nature of it? Is it sturdy? Is it predictable? Right now in this season, there are astronomical potholes all over. And if you live in Michigan or familiar, the slogan right of our governor when she was running alluded to repair of these roads. And it does happen, but it happens seasonally. And we are in the season where there are just gaping, eat up your car and your bicycle potholes everywhere. And thinking about that, the ground right now is unpredictable. It is unsafe. It can put you in harm's way. How do you navigate that? You have to pay more attention. You have to veer off course. And that requires us to be mindful of those who are sharing the road with us. Sometimes you have to move toward oncoming traffic. So you have to pause perhaps a little longer. Or you take that risk. If you go straight on the course that you might have taken normally, there are risks involved. And so it requires a different state of mindfulness. We're not just driving through without paying attention. And while absolutely we need to fix the roads and improve hopefully their long-term structure as well as this acute phase so that we can traverse safely, ideally by foot and by bicycle, but also we do use vehicular transport. Quite often we're in the automotive state here and noticing how we have to accommodate a foundation, a ground that doesn't look 
like what we might expect or want it to look. So how do we navigate the ground that carries us? So let's look at grounded in its variety of definitions. And let's keep in mind, we'll keep in mind this juxtaposition of the idea of rising here today. And if we're thinking about rising, it is relative. Rising from where? If you are going up, if you are elevating, if you are shifting, there has to be a different starting point from which you are ascending. And I offer to us the opportunity to consider if it has to be upward. I've talked about Accelerate in different spaces, and you can go back to the 30 podcasts a day in, 30 podcasts a day, no, 30 podcasts in the month of November, and look at the Accelerate version. They were in buddied up parts, and Accelerate, we often think, has to be faster and in the same direction, but really it just means a change in speed or direction. And if we think about rising, it doesn't always mean up. It can mean expansion, it can mean approaching, it can mean advancing, it can mean coming to some certain age. And certainly it can mean up. When we think about right now, all I can think of as bread rising, right? And so we see the elevation in going from a lower point to a higher point. But recognizing there too, we don't have to be limited or encumbered by one version of what this means. And so if today is a day where you celebrate rising, if you use the word risen, Think about it and think about perhaps an expansion of ways that that can hold meaning for you and perhaps welcome and embrace others to share that experience with you. So as we examine grounded, let's just look at these definitions. And today we're shifting. We're in the Oxford Dictionary. Merriam-Webster had one, had one definition, mentally and emotionally stable. And it had a secondary component, but still within that same definition, admirably sensible, realistic, and unpretentious. And just thinking about that. So when we talked grounded today, we talked about upside down pictures and contrast and juxtaposition with rising. Is that the definition that came through for you? And what does it look like and feel like to be grounded in that way, to have that stability, mental and emotional stability? Perhaps a person comes to mind who demonstrates that. Perhaps a feeling comes to mind of how that is best expressed when it is really strong and resonant for you. What does that feel like to be grounded? Admirably sensible. And that one here is so fascinating. It gives me this moment of pause to think, does that mean really well planned? Does it mean you've explored all the options and you've chosen the best one? Who says? What is sensible? I think about sensible shoes. That comes up and what those might be. And I've seen a lot of people posting recently as we're moving through, I wouldn't say coming out of the pandemic because we've had a lot of cases of COVID in different situations that I have seen recently. But people who have made a lot of shifts in their lives no longer want to wear or feel capable of wearing high-heeled shoes. Now we could talk about if that was ever a choice that was available, but thinking about sensible in terms of footwear. And we think about it in the way of comfort and sustainability and optimal foot posture and mechanics. So I think about it through the lens of my clinical work. And so grounded, right, can give you that state of sensibility. And again, who says? And how do we decide to agree upon that? Realistic. There too. An interesting exploration. Because while there 
can be facts for sure and situations that we can all agree have happened, we see right, that there are different realities. People can be in the very same situation and have very different, discrepant experiences of that situation. In coaching, we talk about the circumstance and the fact that it's neutral and everyone could agree upon that. And then all the different thoughts we can have about it. And those are our stories that we're telling ourselves, And they can all be true in the same moment. And I want to pause there just for a second. And it's important to note that thoughts are thoughts, right? And we are people having thoughts. And thoughts are not the reality. They are not the fact and they are not the circumstance. However, they can be very real and very true for us. They can be very real and very true for us in that moment. They can be very real and very true for us in the long term when we've told ourselves that story over and over again. And the opposite experience can be very true for someone else in that experience. I find this many times with my children. An event could have happened. Let's say words were spoken, right? We're going to get down to the facts of it. And each child, I happen to have three, and you might have this experience in your home, maybe if you're a teacher in your school setting, perhaps if you're an aunt or an uncle when you're helping with your nieces and nephews, or if you're observing this out in the world, all three of them could have a very different experience, a very different telling of what happened. It can be very much real for them. And noticing the opportunity we have to acknowledge, wow, okay, that's what happened for you. That was how you experienced this moment. Let's acknowledge that. And we don't have to discredit anyone else's experience in that moment, but we can notice right, which each person is experiencing. We can get down to the facts and then we can get clearer on why was that the way you experienced it, right? These words were spoken and this person might've heard them as a compliment. This person might've heard them as an insult. This person might've heard them as confusion, right? And so just noticing that experience and how can we agree to be grounded in a common reality while acknowledging that we can each have our own experience. Grounded offering up the unpretentious option. And considering there too, there might be different opinions of what is pretentious. I can think of some quotes from a lovely show that has been popular in the last year and just seeing, right? Maybe just pretentious enough. So noticing grounded in those ways. But let's move to the Oxford Dictionary, which offers a number of definitions and springboards or launch pads if we're drawing from last week to explore. The first for grounded, to prohibit or prevent a pilot or an aircraft from flying. Now, flying has been challenging. That's my thought about it, right? Flying has been different. Still a thought, but maybe we could agree upon that as a circumstance. In this past year, we saw so many shifts in so many industries, but in the airline industry for sure during the pandemic, and now routes have been changed and prices were low and they're rising again, right? But there's rising coming in there. And for different reasons, many planes have been grounded. Where we lived in Southern Oregon, the planes were often grounded secondary to fog. And the airport was purposefully built in a space that would be obscured by fog for protective reasons in the time of war. This is my understanding of the reason that this airport was designed that way, which is great if you're trying to be hidden. Not so great if you're trying to take off regularly during the day. So thinking about why we might ground a plane and for the majority of situations, it is for safety reasons, a mechanical issue, a staffing issue, again, a weather issue that is posing a challenge to safely taking off. 
So why might we ground something? What are those safety reasons? And how can we use grounded in our favor for our best interests? And how can we also note that it can be frustrating? If you've ever been on the airplane already when it's been grounded, it can be enormously frustrating. You're ready to go or you're ready to launch, you're ready to take off, and it is not available to you. Thinking about grounded, using that same inference and expanding that to the family setting for children. Refuse to allow a child to go out socially as a punishment. Thinking about that. And is grounded something that happens still? I feel like we hear the word less and less and perhaps parenting styles are shifting. But what does it mean to be grounded? And again, why there? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? Is it important? If we run it through the think model, we say thoughtful, helpful, important. I like to say inspiring, necessary, kind. Right? Is grounded useful in any of those ways? Perhaps sometimes. Right? Consequences are important. Setting boundaries and upholding them is important. And so noticing if grounded has a space and a place, and is it thoughtfully teaching the lesson you're hoping to offer to your child? So giving them time to consider, is it allowing them to appropriately acknowledge what has happened and that this privilege has been revoked? And what growth is available from that? We're thinking about the rising from the groundedness. Grounded, to give something abstract, a firm, theoretical, or practical basis. So if we think about this in our learning, what is it that we are grounding our knowing in? And we talk about knowing with a capital K or a lowercase k, and oftentimes I say N <laughs> when I do that. So I'm, I'm proud of myself for this moment of saying the correct letter at the correct time without having to go back and re-record it. But still, I draw attention to the fact that often I would say N. In any case, giving something that foundation. So if you are offering up a new concept, is it grounded in past research or experience? If you are entering into a conversation, a discussion, a debate, what is it that you are grounding your point of view in? What are you offering up to others as the solid foundation for whatever it is you are presenting? In medicine, we are called to use evidence-based practices. So we are grounding the practices that we are implementing with patients in past research, past experience, and it continues to evolve. We've seen that throughout the course of the pandemic, and it can feel quite frustrating at times. But knowing that science is grounded in research, and research does continue to evolve, we're continuing to ask questions, we're continuing to do better than we did before. We talk about the origins of osteopathic medicine. Right? They were grounded in a lot of skepticism around the present-day practices of medicine in that time around the Civil War. And they continue to ask that question. What should we be doing differently? What is not working about the current system? And how can we offer up something more, something better? How can we rise from this foundation in a more effective way? To place or lay something on the ground or hit the ground with it. And you could notice there two different ways to ground something. And the example here is he was penalized two strokes for grounding his club in a bunker. We can think about that in golf and automatically for me, Happy Gilmore comes to mind, right? And so we could ground something softly and gently place it on the ground. Or we could ground something aggressively, roughly, right? Slam that golf club into the ground. And so just noticing that. 
When we set things down, do we do so with intention? Do we do so quietly? Is it an outlet for our anger, our frustration, our aggression? Do we strike the ground and eliminate, perhaps move through energy in that way? It can actually be a useful practice when executed appropriately and with boundaries, with attention to safety of ourselves and those around us, with a recognition that this is a processing of emotion, when it's happening regularly, acutely, in a reactive way, tuning into that because it can feel very scary, can feel very threatening. And so just checking in. Are there ways to use that active grounding effectively? You may have seen the rooms, and I can't think of the name right now, but they go in, right? And they have you smash plates. You throw them to the ground and you smash things with a hammer. You're taking that hammer from the air to the ground, right? Making contact with something and getting out those feelings, right? Using that act of destruction and that slamming down has a therapeutic release. In the gym, we have slam balls, right? And the work is to lift them up into the air and then to put them down with force, onto the ground and it's a core workout. It can work the whole body actually. And you have the opportunity to help process feelings when doing so. So just noticing, right? That grounding can be a therapeutic act. To connect an electrical device with the ground. And here, again, we see so much around safety and security with the act of grounding. And we can look at it in lots of ways. We see it with helping our children learn safe behaviors with planes not take off in unsafe conditions, right? To decide if we can become safer with our feelings by recognizing when it's useful to use grounding and to pay attention to when it's happening without as much mindfulness. And here, connecting that electrical device with the ground so that the circuit is made safe. We have more predictability around it. So grounding is this soft landing space. It's this opportunity to create a solid foundation. It's an opportunity to build upon something. In the practice of yoga or in the act of weightlifting, we always start with the feet, right? So, well, for in standing positions, I should say, but we start with that foundational piece. And so we'll use a standing position as an example, right? We ground the feet. We pay attention to them. We notice where the points of contact might be and we activate, right? So grounding isn't necessarily this passive act. There is an active force, an energy that is at play there. And it offers us that awareness and the security to begin and to build from that solid foundation and that active grounding. The posture that we build is much stronger. We can tune in in a different way. It is a source of our activation. An example here, specific to baseball. Ground it. Hit a pitched ball so that it bounces on the ground. And thinking about this, I was watching my son's soccer game this weekend. And many times we want the ball to travel through the air. We'll go farther, right? And it was so cold yesterday. And they are allowed to header now, which we could have all different discussions about. And the athletes would do so. I was like, oh, right today. And it's so cold. And thinking about the ball, maybe, right? The grounded ball would have been more efficacious. And sometimes it is. If you can get a pass more efficiently and effectively using a grounding technique and in baseball, right? So you could ground out or, right, you could ground it just enough or it might get a hop off the ground in a way that's less predictable and 
you can't get out immediately, right? If that meets their glove, they still have to do something with that ball versus a ball that is struck and hit into the air, if caught in a glove, is an immediate out. So just thinking about when a grounded ball might actually be more helpful, more effective, more desirable. And how many times we do look to, right? We love the rising. We love the aloftness. We love planes in flight. All of that is the ideal. But noticing when we might be missing something if we're not making space for the grounded version to exist, even as a counterpart, even as that juxtaposition. And so thinking about for yourself, when do you feel grounded? And what is that like for you? What acts help you? Perhaps it's exercise. Perhaps it's breathing or a meditation. Perhaps it's journaling. Perhaps it's conversation with certain members of your family or certain friends. What helps you to feel grounded? And what's one thing you could do today to welcome that in? Maybe you have already completed your usual routine and you feel like you are secure there, but offer up a moment. And it can just be brief to allow yourself to practice groundedness. Think about what those practices might be in a smaller, more efficient manner so that when you aren't feeling grounded, you can call upon that for yourself. I wonder if you've had those moments where it feels like you are just aloft and blowing in the wind. That comes up here for me. And you feel scattered. You feel like you aren't oriented to anything. And you might not know which way is up. Right? Coming back to that picture from the opening of the episode. And maybe it does feel like, am I even oriented to the ground? Right? Maybe the world is a little bit upside down. What direction am I heading? Have you ever done that with the map? I go back to a friend's episodes in the days of yore when I was recording them on the VHS using buttons for the timer. And in London, right, Joey had to get in the map. And now we have that opportunity. We are always actively in the map if you're using GPS devices, right? It's tracking your little blue dot and showing you, right, the spotlight telling you which way that you are facing. So you can take those steps. And sometimes you have to start moving, right, taking steps so you can see, am I moving in the direction of my destination or am I actually facing a totally different way that I didn't realize? And you have to decide, am I trusting myself? Am I trusting the map? Am I trusting this process? And just yesterday, I was going from one point to another in town and I knew they were very close. And I was trying to think about the different options. And for whatever reason here, and I could totally take all the blame for having geographic challenges. I don't carry maps in my brain very well. Interestingly, I can see anatomy. Those maps make sense to me. But maps of roads still takes a lot of work. And here in town, I'm going to offer it up. It's my thought. I'd like for it to be a circumstance that the roads are quite confusing because you can get many places on roads that seemingly go in different directions, right? So I can get back to my house from the mall, let's say. And yes, the mall does still exist in its iteration as it stands today on four different roads, right? That seem to all go in different directions, but somehow always, always lead back to my house. And of course, we can look it on a map and we can get clear on why. So anyway, I was going from one point to another. I knew they were close and the map on my phone offered to me that they were even closer than I thought, but it took me through this road that had a barricade on it. So while yes, it was the most direct route, it was impassable by a vehicle. And so I took my chances, right? I chose that closest route 
and it didn't work and that was okay. And I made my way around and actually the plan B route was maybe one minute longer, but of course it was much longer because I had taken the short route and had to backtrack all the way around. And sometimes that's what you need to do. You have to test it out to find out because again, on the map, it was absolutely the shortest, most direct route. However, the map didn't acknowledge that it might've been the shortest and best route for a bicycle, but not for a car, which I completely respect. And my phone often expects me to be walking. It will offer me that route first instead of driving, which I very much appreciate. In any case, right, that groundedness in getting into the map and testing it out and seeing where are we and what does make the most sense. And yes, this route might work in some situations for some people, and it doesn't work today. It doesn't make that route incorrect. It doesn't make it inappropriate. It doesn't negate that it is actually the shortest route. It just means that for today, it wasn't the one that worked. In allowing that to be, and in that moment, my options were to be enormously frustrated for the time wasted and to be annoyed at myself for not understanding the roads better in town. But instead, I thought, wow, I never even knew this subdivision existed between point A and point B of these destinations. And how great. These people can walk here all the time. Fantastic. Because this location doesn't seem particularly walkable, but it's walkable for them. And that's fantastic. And now I know the original route I was going to take really was the shortest. So I don't necessarily always need to go to a resource, but I grounded myself now in this knowledge of experience and exploration, and I can move forward in that way. So allowing yourself to notice the orientation and perhaps to take a different view. And if something does show up in an unexpected way, if you have an upside down picture presented to you, Maybe don't try to correct it in that moment. Maybe look at it and see all the content that is there consistently, right? Same components in that image, very different experience, seeing it right side up or upside down. And then when you do reorient, if you do make that adjustment to bring it back, do you experience the fullness and the wholeness of that picture in a different way? Do you give a little more appreciation to those rocks on the ground? And is that sky just a little bit more brilliant when you see it in its expected space? And do you see yourself engaged in that experience in a new way? So let's give ourselves the chance to experience groundedness, to practice rising in new ways in this moment and for so many heading forward. I thank you for joining me for walking through this experience. I welcome you to share yours. You can find me at This Osteopathic Life on Instagram and on Facebook. And we'll continue to grow from groundedness through the rising and for the health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.